Welcome to California State of Mind from Cal Matters and Cap Radio. I'm Nigel Duara in Los Angeles. And I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. So, Nicole, I got a call this week. It's a call lots of Californians got. Hello. This is a message from your county elections official. Your ballot for the upcoming September 14th, 2021 gubernatorial recall election has been mailed to you. Yep. Recall season is here. Nicole, you're just loving this. In recall news this week, I have noticed that Gavin Newsom is really singling out and going after Larry Elder, who joined the race late, but really jumped to the front of the pack of the potential candidates who could replace the governor. Uh, Larry Elder, for people who don't know, is this conservative radio host, and Newsom is really going after him in virtual rallies, even in his own fundraising emails, and comparing him to Trump. Yeah, I hadn't heard about Larry Elder before. Uh, another challenger, one that I have heard of, is that bear guy. You mean John Cox, the guy with the bear? That, <laughs> yes, that that guy, the bear guy. This week, okay, my colleague Ben Christopher Cal Matters found out how much it cost him to rent that poor bear. Oh my gosh, how much did it cost? I have to know. I have to. Nicole, it was fourteen thousand four hundred and seventy-five dollars. Oh my gosh. And down here, we got a bear of our own. This little guy was roaming the aisles of a grocery store down here called Ralph's. Uh, he, I do not know what he ate. I don't know what he got into, but I do know he was caught. And here, we also have a bear cub. There was this bear cub that was rescued from a wildfire. They named him Tamarack after the name of the wildfire. He That's good. He had his paws all bandaged up because they got burned. That's cute. And they were keeping him safe to do some surgery, you know, fix That's those great. paws. That's great. But he escaped. <laughs> he used those burned up little bandaged paws to dig out apparently and he's still on the loose. It's been like over a week now. I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay, bear cub on the loose. Well, the Delta variant has thrown a wrench into California's plans to resume life as normal. COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations continue to go up across the state, though so far things aren't as bad as in Florida or Texas. Yeah, Florida's where my parents live. Good luck, guys. And here in Los Angeles, city officials want to make it so you have to flash your vaccination card to get into places like bars. And I guess SF is also jumping on that train. Well, amid this summer surge, school districts, teachers, parents, and kids are all getting ready or they're already back in the classroom after a year of mostly distance learning. Yeah, we're going to hear some of those effects of distance learning on both the parents and the kids. For most of the pandemic, there's been no mandate for K-12 teachers and school employees to get a vaccine. Then, this week, the state announced its new rules for all teachers, public school and private school. you got to get a vaccine or you'll face that weekly testing. So joining us to explain what's going on is CalMatters education reporter Joe Hong. Joe, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Joe, the history here is initially state lawmakers were asking for a mask mandate. They wanted to increase ventilation in the schools and other kind of safety measures that we've seen through the pandemic and said that that's enough. So what changed? Well, I think the Delta variant it w- just got really hard to to ignore. As schools are starting, I think parent concerns were rising. 
they want their kids to be safe at school, yeah, but keeping in mind that kids are less likely to get seriously ill from COVID, I think the bigger concern was, are teachers going to get sick and is that going to require more shutdowns and a return to distance learning? And, you know, at the end of the day, no one wants that. So parents are really calling for, you know, why aren't we doing everything we can to uh, keep schools open all year? And I think ultimately the, the, the pressure just kind of peaked. So the California Teachers Association, which is the union, supports COVID-19 vaccines. But for most of this summer, they said that they were okay, pretty much leaving it to the local jurisdictions to do what they were going to do. That changed. That's right. So CTA was basically on the same page as the, the governor all summer until today. They would strongly urge teachers to get vaccinated, but they would stop short of calling for a mandate. But um, today, they came out in strong support of, of the, um, the vaccination and regular testing requirement. You know, Newsom was, was pretty clear today. He said there was just a lot of conversations that needed to take place between the government and labor. Is that where they landed, essentially? This negotiation ended up in kind of a handshake, the governor and the union both saying, let's do a mandate? Yeah, that's, that, that's what it seems like. It seems like everyone came out of this still on the same page. So I think everyone is you know, at the state level, pretty happy with uh, with this new uh, requirement. And there's a lot of people unhappy about this. Have you talked to any teachers who refuse to get vaccinated? If you did, what are they saying? So I haven't talked to any uh, individual teachers, but I've, I've spoken to local union leaders. Um, I spoke to one near San Diego uh, at a district called Sweetwater Union High School District. And, you know, this union president, she was telling me that she's going to have a handful of people who are kind of annoyed at, at having to be tested regularly or having to be vaccinated, you know, for whatever reason. Um, we're not talking about folks who have medical reasons or religious reasons for not wanting to get vaccinated, but it's more, I think, ideological. Um, folks are just going to be kind of angry at this. But, you know, she does feel like there will be maybe a couple teachers who this is the push they needed to get the vaccination. You know, you'll have some teachers who who do resign. I, I would not be surprised. And, and this this teachers union president actually said she expects one or two resignations if, you know, if a full vaccine mandate comes down eventually, uh, if the governor says, you know, everyone needs to be max vaccinated, um, she does expect some resignations for sure. So what happens if we do have a wave of sick teachers? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's something I think a lot of people don't want to think about. You know, the the safety protocols sort of differ by district, but, you know, for the most part, there's going to be there's going to be quarantines, meaning uh, certain classes of students and certain employees will have to stay home for um, around two weeks at a time. You know, and if there are significant outbreaks at an individual campus, you know, that could trigger a, a school wide shutdown. Well, let's talk about the stakes of that, because there's been a pretty robust research at this point on the effect of having to do Zoom school for, for kids. Um, and I know you've reported some of this too. What would that consequence be? What are we seeing in terms of achievement gaps for kids that did have to learn online for the past 16 months? The risks are huge. The potential consequences are huge. Students fell behind in, in reading, math, like across the board, uh, achievement gaps widened between students coming from more affluent white families compared to, you know, black and brown students uh, growing up in uh, poorer neighborhoods. 
it's kind of cliche at this point to say that like this pandemic sort of laid bare all the sort of inequities in our society but like that's been that that's been the truest in the education space for sure what about the parents of those kids the the, the ones especially that were that were hit by uh by the achievement gap that that ran into the biggest difference between being in school and doing it online the the one sort of group of students that comes to mind immediately are, are students with disabilities and you know their learning is inherently in person right like you, you can't do something like speech therapy or occupational therapy through a computer screen you need sort of that one-on-one contact and i think the the parents of those students are like they were the most desperate during the pandemic and they're right now they're the most vulnerable i think when it comes to this debate over should teachers be required to be vaccinated those parents are the ones who are just sort of saying like i can't take a risk with putting my kid in distance learning again like we have to do everything we can to keep schools open all year long so th- those those are really the stakes Let's talk about how they're trying to make this better, though. I don't want this to be all a downer. What are they trying to do to make this up? I can imagine longer school hours, uh, something to put kids in the seats longer. I mean, what are they going to do to try and make this up? The K-12 education budget this year is historic. The state is pumping money into uh, public schools like it's really never done before. And a lot of that money is going to mental health services for kids. It, when I talk to teachers, a lot of them are sort of like, they're worried that the that the emphasis this year will be too much on academics and like learning loss. But, um, you know, you talk to education experts and they'll say that, you know, learning is not just like a, a mental or like, a neurological sort of process. It's a social and an emotional process too. And getting students feeling safe and comfortable on campuses again is going to be a huge part of that. And so luckily this budget this year is allowing certain districts to really staff up their mental health professionals, counselors, some are hiring social workers. You know, we'll have to see uh, what happens this school year, but as far as like how equipped are school districts to to help kids right now, like I think we could be in a much worse position. I think uh, a lot of districts are feeling pretty empowered. So with these new stricter requirements, what do you think the chances are of another shutdown in schools? I spoke with a handful of public health experts last week, and they're all pretty hopeful that even with the Delta variant, schools will be able to stay open. They point to some studies last year at schools across the country, uh, in places like Wisconsin, and then also in places like Singapore, where they they kept schools open and it didn't lead to any uh, additional community spread. So another massive shutdown at this point seems pretty unlikely. Cal Matters, Joe Hong, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. So we're less likely to see complete shutdowns, and it sounds like we're more likely to see these kind of targeted quarantines of individual classrooms. Nigel, does that mean that teachers will have to go back to Zoom school if the whole class gets quarantined? So that seems to be what Joe found. Coming up, we're going to hear about stricter vaccine requirements for healthcare workers. Stay tuned. California State of Mind from Cap Radio and Cal Matters. I'm Nicole Nixon. 
And I'm Nigel Tuara. So we just talked about how teachers have to get vaccinated or get tested. That used to be the case for healthcare workers, but the governor recently said they no longer have that choice. That they will have to be vaccinated by September 30th. Yeah, there's been mixed reaction to the news from that industry. Cap Radio's healthcare reporter Sammy Kaola is back to explain what's going on. Hey, Sammy, thanks for joining us. Hi, Nigel. Thanks for having me. So we just heard about new state vaccine requirements for California's K through 12 teachers, and that brings them in line with mandates Governor Newsom already set forth for healthcare workers. So what did workers like about that move? Well, healthcare workers do want to keep themselves safe and they want to keep their patients safe. So this order pertains to congregate settings. We're talking about hospitals, nursing homes, dialysis centers, even just regular doctor's offices, places where you might have a lot of people of mixed vaccination status where spread could happen rather quickly. And you've also got patients who are susceptible, some people who are immunocompromised, right? So everybody wants to know that the people taking care of them are not going to be bringing something in. And I got messages from a couple healthcare worker unions who said, yeah, you know, we do think that the people taking care of our most vulnerable should be vaccinated. We're okay with the mandate, but what they want are some accommodations. They want it to be really easy to get vaccinated. So you're talking about workers that can work really long shifts or double shifts, or they don't get a lot of breaks and they feel like, well, what if I get sick and then from, you know, if I have adverse effects from the vaccine, which, you know, are are rare to happen, will I still have to go to work? Will I be paid for the time it takes to get a vaccine? So this is April Verrett. She is the president of SEIU Local 2015. That's a statewide union that represents long-term care workers. You know, whatever measures need to be taken are important, but the vaccine is not a replacement for employers acting responsibly for continuing to make sure PPE is accessible and available to all workers to make sure that if people are exposed or happen to test positive, that they are able to take the time that they need to 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 work to isolate themselves and to quarantine. And that time must be paid so that workers aren't made to suffer um, or have to make the tough choice to continue to work after they've been exposed. So what I didn't hear in that bite is yes, we support or no, we oppose a vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. What is their position, support or opposition? It depends on the union. Uh, Many of them issued statements last week. I know I saw two that said, we support this mandate uh, as long as we can have these accommodations. I didn't talk to any unions that directly said, we don't support a mandate. I did see lots of healthcare workers on social media responding to Governor Gavin Newsom on Twitter saying, think this is an infringement of my rights. I don't want to get vaccinated. I will just leave the healthcare field. And it's important that we're talking about this, right? Because one of the first major incidents of the pandemic was the nursing home outbreak in a congregate center in Seattle, right? And so we've seen that over and over again. Has any of that experience where we were seeing people dying and taking away, you know, white sheets over them played into the discussion about congregate settings now that we have a vaccine? It's still a pretty frightening situation in congregate settings. I talked to uh, people from the nursing home industry, and they are really, really trying to avoid what we saw at the start of the pandemic. Nursing homes were ravaged, and people had to close the doors of their nursing homes. They had to close the doors to visitors. And, you know, when the vaccine came out, things got so much better in those settings. 
seniors and nursing home workers were some of the first to have access to the vaccine. Something like 80% of nursing home residents and workers are vaccinated now, which is great, and their cases have been going down. But now that breakthroughs are possible, there's this real concern about who is coming through the doors of these facilities? What might they bring in? And so this order does mandate vaccines for staff, and it also has mandates for visitors. Visitors have to be vaccinated or they can come with proof of a recent negative test. But if they don't have either of those, they're probably not going to be allowed to visit. So walk me through what healthcare workers have been ordered to do in this last month. Because wasn't testing and like and just testing an option at one point? When did that change? Yeah, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. So at the end of July, Governor Newsom said that healthcare workers in these certain settings, the ones I've talked about, nursing homes, hospitals, dialysis centers, even you know daycare programs for adults with disabilities, they had a choice. They could get vaccinated or they could submit to testing at least once a week. So that's what we thought the situation was. And then there actually was pushback from the industry from some groups who wanted more. They wanted a stronger mandate. Then on August 5th, Newsom came out and said, "Okay, you can't just get tested. You have to get vaccinated. It's vaccination or nothing (laughs) unless unless you file for an exemption for medical reasons or religious reasons, Uh, which that was something that some healthcare unions pushed for. They pushed for having an exception. So, yeah, it's it's a full mandate. And that's where they're at right now. It's not really clear what the consequences are. You know, the order doesn't say if you don't get vaccinated, you will lose your job. And that's an answer that I have tried unsuccessfully to get clarified by the state. But it's a mandate. So the understanding is you have to do this to work in this industry. And, you know, it's it's going to be a matter of enforcement. I know that employers are going to be responsible for keeping vaccination records or those exemption documents for all of their employees and relaying that back to the state. So where do things stand now for California's healthcare workers? Well, they are uh, supposed to get vaccinated by the end of September. That gives them a pretty long lead time. The unions I spoke to said that's good because it can take people a while to be able to make appointments. Uh, There were industry leaders that I talked to who were concerned about an exodus from the workforce. They are worried that some people will just say, nope, I don't believe in this vaccine. I'm afraid of this vaccine. I will not be forced to get this vaccine. And they will just leave their jobs, which could be really bad uh, in certain settings that are already really understaffed. So, Sammy, an advocacy group for Californians with disabilities is urging the governor to expand the state vaccine mandate. What are they asking for and what are their concerns? They want workers who serve people at home you know, people who are homebound, who maybe have a regular caregiver or a number of caregivers who rotate in and out. They want those workers to have to be vaccinated against COVID-19. People with disabilities are now back at home. We're now living in fear once again. And we want to make sure that the people who support us in our homes, in the community, our therapists, anybody who works with us directly gets vaccinated. So if somebody is coming into their home to help them eat or help them use the bathroom or help them walk, those are very close interactions. And there's a real concern in the disability community that caregivers who are unvaccinated will bring the Delta variant to their clients. And so they said, okay, well, if you're going to mandate that people working in these group settings be fully immunized, then why not people who do in-home care? Sammy, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
It's so interesting, Nigel, because healthcare workers started out with that choice to get tested or to get vaccinated, and now they have this mandate. So I'm really curious to see whether teachers, whether state workers, whether other kinds of workers like first responders will eventually get that mandate that you have to get vaccinated too. Yeah, what stuck out to me from Sammy's interview was that these are folks that are already in pretty tight industries, right? We have a nursing shortage. We have a teacher shortage, right? So it's going to be tougher, I guess, in terms of retention and attraction in some cases, just because there's there are these new rules. So I think what Sammy was saying, what Joe was saying was that, yeah, you know, we're to keep an eye on who stays and who goes and what the rationale is for staying or for leaving. The workforce problems of 2021. And that's California State of Mind for this week. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And we'll see you next time, Nigel. Have a good one. Have a good week. California State of Mind is a collaboration of Cal Natters and Cap Radio. It's produced by Jen Picard. Our engineers are Antonio Minez, Chris Feltz, and Paul Conley. Sally Schilling is our executive producer. Mark Jones is the technical director. Chris Hagen is our digital editor. Margarita Noriega and Chris Bruno are our masters of marketing. Our social media is run by Emmy Gilbert and Courtney Fong. Nick Miller is editor at Cap Radio and Joe Barr is our chief of content. Dave Lesher is editor at Cal Matters. Our theme song is Mellifera Ligustica by Isaac Joel. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You'll get notified every Friday of a new episode. That is all for now. Thanks for listening to California State of Mind. See you next week. Support for California State of Mind comes in part from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. 